we got a ton of work done. I'm going to invite our team that's here today to come up and just grab a seat. All of you who are on the team. So come on up here. Um, I'm going to share for a few minutes as they're coming up. Well, we're going to do the rest of our time together. Yeah, you give the guys a hand. They work, they work like dogs. We're going to take about 20 minutes or so and just tell you about what went on. We, as you guys saw, we did a ton of work. There's our whole team. That's us with the people from Waukesha also. 12, 12 from here. Um, I think we're only missing one or two today. Stephanie's missing, the only one that's missing. Hope she didn't get, Montezuma didn't get her. Um, <laughs> um, but we had a dozen. There's six from Waukesha, two from Hudson, and, uh, and one from Denmark. Um, and we had a great time. Worked like dogs. These guys are rock stars. I want you to tell you, tell you. When we got there, one of the guys, a guy named Dave is one of the guys in here. Um, he's a professional drywaller. And what we did, a ton of what we did was drywalling. And he's a mud and taper, basically, in Waukesha. So he works for a company. It's all he does. And the first day I went there and I said to him, I said, uh, what do you think? Can we get this done? And he said, if I had a team of professionals in here for as long as we had, we could not get this job done. He said, there's no way we can do this job and get it done. And I said, well, let's do our best to see what we can get done. Well, we got all the drywalling done, all the sheetrock hung, all of it mudded, all of it taped, um, and uh, most of it finished, most of it painted, and these guys worked like dogs. Um, worked from, from morning till evening. Some of these people just don't know how to stop. They keep working. Um, when everybody else stops, they say, but I'm not done. And so Steve just kept on working um, into the night a lot of times and got everything everything done. So the plumbing was all hooked up when we left. All they had to do was finish the bathrooms um, and uh, with the painting and tiling and then put the fixtures in. Almost every bedroom was done. That whole hallway, I mean, you're talking about a thing that's longer than from this room to that wall to that wall, and then nine, eight, eight bedrooms, and you could see the goofy way at the top of the ceiling, not a decent angle in the place, very complicated. Well, this guy who's a professional drywaller, all he does is mud and tape for a light living. He had his arm packed in ice and a brace on. He said, I've been doing this for, what, 20 years? I've never felt like this. We work so hard that he, I mean, he had like tendonitis from so much work. He does for a job as a professional, and he was just wore out. So we worked hard. And then a lot of times after that, we got done. Then myself and Pastor Todd and sometimes the whole team would go off to a village or something and do pastoral training, preaching. And so I don't think I've been that tired as I was by the last day. And I don't remember being that tired before, but uh, it was great. And I want you to know um, that ministry, and we're going to let these share, but I don't want to steal too much of it because I don't know what they want to share. But the ministry that that church is doing is there's right by it, there's dormitories. This is the old Soviet Union, so they, they still use the system. It's old Soviet built dorms that are just dilapidated. And in this one part right by the church, that when the kids turn 16, they leave the villages and they come to the big cities. It's a city called Belts. And in Belts, um, which is maybe, I think, the second largest city in Moldova, um, they come to go to trade school, basically. They're going to be go, go to work in the in learn food services or accounting or or welding or whatever. And they come in the one area we know is dormitories for 2,000 students. When they're 16, they leave the villages, go to these places. 2,000 students live in one area of these dilapidated dorms. Um, I mean, just falling apart, uninhabitable almost, with almost zero adult supervision. Can you imagine the just the actual pandemonium? of 2,016-year-olds, boys and girls, living together unsupervised. 
And so, uh, never been on their own, out from the villages, they've never even been exposed to anything, and they come to, to Belts, and they live in these dorms, this church um, had an unfinished fourth floor, and they said, we want to create dormitories. And they're selecting the first girls right now, and they're going to have room for 24, right? Start with, was it 24? 24 what? Wing. Per wing, but I'm saying right now, 24 is what we got ready for. That starting in this fall, they'll take 24 girls, they'll interview them, and pull 24 girls out of those public dorms, bring them in here, not believers, most of them, lead them to Christ, disciple them, and give them a safe place to live. And they're thinking, we can change the country by taking these girls out of this environment. And I was a little skeptical going in, saying, eh, what's going to be? When I got there, I said, this is worthwhile. I mean, they're going to change lives forever. That's the church. It was we're on the top floor of that church. The church isn't real; it looks huge because Westerners came in, partnered with them, and built a great, big, huge church. But the congregation is only about a hundred, and so the, actually having that building is a real an albatross. They can't hardly afford to heat it because the Westerners came in, built it, and then left. And so they just trying to try to maintain this huge building. The sanctuary seats a thousand on the second floor. I mean, this building is huge. So we are up on the top left um, on that fourth floor working on the whole wing of the church. And so the one side is already finished. We finished the other side, almost got it done. And so what I want to do for our time together is I want to give people an opportunity just to share kind of what God maybe spoke to them, what they saw, what really impacted them, and, um, and just kind of get a feel for what we went through or what we learned as a team. So who wants to start? you got a microphone, Brett. Lead us off. This is work. Okay. Um, well, what stuck out to me and impacted me the most would be the ministry that we were doing, which is building the dorm. And when we went over there, it was I thought that the ministry was a very good thing to do. It was very helpful, but I didn't understand what was really being done until we went and saw what the what the living conditions were like. And the first day, um, the, some of the guys ended up staying in one of the dormitories. Um, me and Daniel ended up sharing a room in there. Tell and they had to take a shower together <sighs> in the same shower with two heads. <laughs> He's like, <Yeah>. creepy, you know. <laughs> they slept in the same bed the whole time. <laughs> it was, they know each other better than they did before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> well, um, after seeing what we had to stay in and how small and how dilapidated everything was, and then going a different day, we went to the dorms that my dad was talking about, and just seeing what the conditions were like and how poor they were, and hearing testimonies about what it was like living in them, it just really showed me what we were doing and how much of a difference these dorms can make and how much they will make. And that just really stuck with me because we might not see what is being done because we were just building the building. But just knowing that this can change many girls' lives is just a, this is a great thing. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thanks, Brett. Man, you must have a preacher, Dad. Um, who else wants to share? I told him I'm not going to force him. Who wants to go next? Roger. I think what really impressed me uh, was the generosity uh, of the people there. Um, all you people in this room know how blessed we are here in the United States. And if you don't know how blessed you are, go to a foreign country for two weeks. Yeah. And you'll realize when you come home how blessed you really are. Um, those, uh, those people have, some of the villages that we went into, those people had nothing. 
but yet they were so willing to give to us, knowing that we were the rich Americans who showed up to, to do good work, but we were still the rich Americans that, that showed up. Um, and the generosity, the food that they laid out, I've got pictures of it, and I don't know if the church has got any pictures of it, but it, it's amazing, the food spread that they laid out. They, they put out two, three, or four weeks of, of their own food to feed the 20 of us, you know. Uh, more food than the 20 of us could have eaten in a week. Um, the, the, they put out the best for us, you know. Um, one of the villages we were in, we were at a church service at one of the villages, and uh, it, by the way, it's nice to be back here and understand all the words in a song service, <laughs> uh, but, uh, and understand all the preaching. But uh, one of the villages that we were in after the church service and after the meal in the basement of the church, um, we were standing outside waiting to get on the bus to drive to, a, to another small village, and a lady came by... Um, in a horse and buggy, uh, a horse and, and cart. Uh, I I, I kind of watched her coming down the road, took some pictures of her. I think she was kind of, it looked to me like she was teaching her son to drive, um, giving him his driver's test, because she kept kind of poking him and pointing at him and telling him what to do and, and uh, uh, trying to teach him how to drive. She stopped alongside of us and welcomed us in her tongue to her country and gave us a watermelon. Um, I don't know what a watermelon is worth there. It's not worth a lot here, but it was worth a fortune to us just to think of her generosity. So um, it was a great trip. Uh, we did a lot of work. I think the funniest, the two of the funniest parts uh, was making Nathan laugh with a mouthful of jelly beans, which I did almost <laughs> every day. <laughs> and I guess the best, the, the, the best part was seeing Tracy Nicodem's face <laughs> when, when Evan got off the bus and hadn't shaved for 10 days. Um, but all in I all, put him up to it, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you won. <laughs> all in all, it was a, it was a fantastic opportunity um, to serve, and uh, it was more of a blessing to us than it was to them. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Debbie. I don't know if Evan's going to get to it, but Evan, in that sanctuary, Evan, remember when, when uh, um, Steve was showing, are you going to talk about, were you going to tell that? I'll let you tell, see if you want to. <laughs> we're, we're glad he's here. <laughs> he Pastor might not Mark, have been. we only get three minutes each, remember? <laughs> Two now. <laughs> Uh, the two things, I, I went on a trip to Novgorod, Russia in 2000 with Pastor Bruce and a team. And so culturally, this trip was very similar to that trip. And so it really reminded me of two things. And one is that no matter where you go, whether it's across the state of Wisconsin or across the world, you have brothers and sisters in Christ wherever you go. Amen. And also people that are hurting and need Jesus. And so it really doesn't matter if you minister in your backyard or you minister halfway across the world, but you need to minister to those people. And the other one is how thankful I am for conveniences. <laughs> we stayed on the fourth floor 
and no elevator. So, you know, I am not in very good shape. And every time I'd have to go up those stairs, I'd be like, oh, Lord, okay, I know I need more exercise, Lord, but couldn't I have stayed on the second floor instead of the fourth floor? Things like reliable plumbing, just knowing that you have clean, drinkable water, plumbing that works. Um, we, we stayed in the side of the dorm that was already finished, several of us women. And if they were using the water on the first floor, you didn't get any water pressure on the fourth floor. So you might be in the middle of a shower and the water might stop. Or it might go from ice cold to boiling hot and back again all in, the, in a few seconds. And then air conditioning. <laughs> I don't do heat very well. And it was, the temperature there was about like it was here, according to what we were sharing back and forth. And so I would just lay in the middle of the bed and sweat <laughs> and go, oh, Lord, what am I supposed to be learning by this lesson? Because please tell me, and I will learn it fast so it can cool off. And, um, and then the opportunity to get to know some of my brothers and sisters here at church a little bit better and on a different level. Thank you. All right. Praise the Lord. Who else? Go ahead, Evan. Since you want to hear my you story. You shaved, shaved man. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, Pastor Mark put me up to uh, a beard growing contest, and I believe I won. Uh, I tell him he can grow a beard more in a day than I can grow in a month. <laughs> so, yeah, and then, yeah, like Roger explained it very uh, eloquently that, yeah, Tracy didn't care for it, so <laughs> it was gone Friday night. <laughs> but, yeah, when we first started out, um, one of the first things I was assigned to was plumbing, and Steve and I were in that crawl space. You couldn't really see it on the video, but you kind of got a picture of it. The crawl space was, wasn't enough for me to stand up in, and they put these rickety boards between the joists, and you got to crawl through the metal beams and, and stuff and in order to get through and get, get around and get to where the plumbing needed to be installed. And the one, I don't know, third or fourth time I was up and down in that area, I jumped up and... I uh, stepped on one of the older boards, and I, I know I hit it solid, but, uh, boy, that board snapped right in half. And thankfully, I was only halfway between the girder because I grabbed with my left arm. My left arm wrapped around the, wrapped around the girder, and my, my right leg went right through the false ceiling. And uh, had I not been holding on, I would have hit the sanctuary floor about, uh, what is it, 10, 15 feet below. So um, we crashed through the ceiling of the sanctuary. I crashed through the ceiling of the sanctuary. The ceiling of the sanctuary. <laughs> so, and then later on, I was down. Uh, I was down in the sanctuary, and uh, Heidi, Heidi, Darren, and um, I think it was Lynn or no, Barb, Barb were down there, and they said, "We're trying to figure out who had uh, jeans and a in white tennis shoes because we saw that leg come through." <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of knew then that plumbing was probably not my, uh, my, my expertise, so uh, I switched over, and Pastor Mark and I hung drywall for six days. Six Comrades. Days. Yeah, and we got it all hung, didn't we? Sure we? did. I, yeah, but um, what really, I think what, what impressed me the most, and it was kind of explained a little bit, um, was the the schooling and the infrastructure being kind of an engineer that I am i I was looking at a lot of things that are so different in how you can tell by the quality of what they have versus over here 
you know, if you drive down LL here, um, that road is probably as nice as any of the best roads in Moldova. So you get a picture of that and you say, well, gee, LL is just any common road. Well, that's just as good as and, be and better than most. You know, a lot of the main roads in the villages are gravel, and hopefully they get through once in a while to, to trim them off and, uh, and smooth them out. But... But uh, the fact that they just don't have a lot of money to do things and uh, the fact that we were able to go and bless them and build these dorms, I mean, these buildings or these rooms that you saw are vastly, vastly nicer than anything that these kids are living in. It's too bad. It's too bad, Steve, that uh, we didn't. You didn't have pictures of those other dorms that we stayed at the first night. That um, that Brett explained. I mean, they were really rough. That and those were. I mean, kids lived there nine months out of the year um, to do trade school, they, and, and so. Here they have these rooms that, you know, they, the glass is uh, broken and they, um, they're just, everything's falling apart. The plaster's falling off the walls. They're dirty. They're just, they're not kept up. Uh, it's a, it's, it's amazing what they, what conditions they live in and, you know, what, what we consider accept, the minimum acceptable condition it's just it's they're well below that so so in order to build these dorms i mean that is really going to bless these people and bless the the girls that are staying there and so hopefully you know really these girls coming to christ by living there and and you know getting that solid foundation for life is is huge so that i think that impacted me the most All right we're glad that evan didn't fall through and we got a lot of drywall hung who else wants to share uh, needless to say, I fired Evan on the first hour <laughs> of the first day. He was too big for the job. <laughs> you, you had to be small and tiny to crawl through the rafters, um, literally hanging about 15 feet above the sanctuary floor below us. Um, I'd spent most of my time underneath the floor there doing the plumbing work, and I can remember thinking the first day going in, you know, I just don't know how they do things here. Um, so you, you crawl under there, and they had run the sewer lines and the water lines up from the basement up to the fourth floor, but they were all capped off. And so you're looking at this, and you're saying, okay, where do I begin? You know, how do I do things here? And you know, the first miracle that God really gave to me, you know, he showed me that even though we didn't know what we were getting into going into it, he already knew what our needs were going to be before we even got there. And there were two gentlemen um, by the name of Peter and Andre, and if you can show that picture of the, the three of us uh, when it comes up there. Um, God put them in place. Uh, they were both um, construction workers. It's a father and a son. Uh, Andre is the son and Peter is the father. And Andre spends about a month of his summer. He lives in, uh, both of these guys are originally from Romania, but Andre spends, he works in London, lives in London, works in London, but he comes back. I don't know where the connection is, but he comes back to the church and helps them for about a month each summer. And um, both of them, like I said, are construction workers. They knew how to do things, so they were able to help me just to get a grasp of how they do things um, there and, and the plumbing fixtures that they use. Um, there's a few comical um, language barrier issues going back and forth between the, the three of us. Uh, we did our best. Um, but you could just really see God at work um, because the three of us caught on very quickly, started to get to know each other. 
um, communication that I thought would be a barrier after a while kind of faded away and, and we were able to communicate actually very well um, and made some good progress. Um, you know, and that, like I said, that first thought in my mind, um, you know, how do they do things here? That first three days that these two guys were able to be with us, you know, really eased my mind and it was a, a true answer to prayer. Um, so that was the first thing I was thankful for. The, the second thing I was, um, it's kind of a humorous thing, um, there was a some discussion, I think, about or my, my note where I said, you know, open the valve, praise God it doesn't leak. Um, the humorous, now humorous yeah, at the now. moment, was kind of a panic uh, when I hollered down to Pastor Todd, which was right at, if, um, he was the pastor right at the very end of the video there, um, where he said, hey, what's up, or whatever, I forget what he said. Um, I told him to open up the valve. He's down on the second floor. I'm up on the fourth floor, hollering down through the wall. Open the valve. And we had a leak, a pretty major leak. So I hollered back down to him. We, yeah, yeah, we had, it was, it was very wet. I took my second shower of the day, literally, completely, utterly. Um, I hollered back down to Todd, shut off the valve, and Pastor Todd hollers up, it broke! <laughs> The only shutoff in the master line. The only shutoff. It broke in the sanctuary ceiling. Yes, and I was right next to him. <laughs> um, so we had to mop up the sanctuary floor after we finally got the valve closed, which really wasn't broke; it just slipped. But at the moment of panic, you don't know that it had just slipped, and he was actually able to shut it off then. But. Um, that's the plumbing end of things. Yeah. You also found out that the word for hot. Yes. It starts, uh, sound, look, sounds like cold. Yeah, I, I had to do some rework after uh, Peter and Andre had left because he had marked C and R. Well, how many here, raise your hand, when you see a C, you think it would be for cold here in this state. How many would just assume that, okay? Cold day, okay? Cold, cold day. That's what went through my mind. Well, it's actually hot. Calde means hot. Calde <laughs> means hot, which, you know, a cauldron, which in hindsight makes sense, but at the moment it didn't. So we had to switch a few plumbing lines around after the fact because I had hot going to cold and cold going to hot, but oh well. <laughs> Who else want to share? Pache. Um, every morning before we started our day, we always had devotions. And I truly believe that's one of the major things that got me through. Um, and I have to reflect back onto Mark 6, 51. Um, Pastor Anatole really embedded it in my mind that if you watch, you'll be amazed. And it was an amazing number of days that we all spent together. We all got along just wonderfully well. There was some picking going on, but it brought laughter, you know, and laughter is a good thing. Um, one of the things that I wanted to do was to go along with um, Pastor Troy and Heidi Darren to a home, which is a shelter for young women, and it, it's for all different things, for abusive situations that women go through or young gals that are in desperate situation, maybe having a baby. The youngest gal that I can remember was there. She was expected to have her baby in any time. She was 16. And what was really cool at the shelter is we were able to spend time with these girls doing little um, art projects with them. And so you got 
to spend some close time with them. And I really was looking forward to that in the beginning, but there was too much work to be done. So I kind of put it off till the last day so we had a second chance to do this. But in, in the process of that, we bought a few things from the gals that they had actually made, and it just lit them up. I mean, it, you could just see the joy on their faces that somebody actually cared enough you know, to buy their things that they were making because girls that are in a shelter like that, their self-esteem is really not good. And so we went away feeling really blessed, probably more so than they were. And Heidi plans on going back a couple times a month so that she can continue to build the relationships with these gals and hopefully, you know, get them in a better spot with knowing Jesus. And... <clears throat> Some of the other things I remember is being with this group is they work so hard, and you know Jesus is in their heart. And the other thing I wanted to say was I just wanted to thank you all for your, your prayers and all the commitment you made sacrificially to give to this group so we could go and complete this work. Praise the Lord. Thank you. You guys bought a lot of drywall and a lot of plumbing fixtures and a lot of screws and a lot of tape and a lot of mud. Um, awesome. <clears throat> One thing you told us right off the bat when we first got there was don't let appearances deceive you. And uh, at first we, we kind of didn't really recognize that right away, I don't think. When you looked at these people, when they were on the streets, they were dressed to the nines. They looked absolutely beautiful. You wouldn't recognize that there was a poverty issue anywhere in this state other than uh, maybe had somebody had an older car or something along those lines. But then as you started watching, you started to discover that beautiful suit, that beautiful dress, whatever they had, was their one piece of going out to clothing that looked nice. And every day they looked very, very nice when they got up to go to their jobs. I remember we got asked maybe to change our clothes before we walked back to the hotel because we would be the lower class and the bums that were on the streets because we worked and were just covered with uh, debris from work. But um, so... Once you started looking behind, uh, it really is keeping up with the Joneses there. Uh, there's a, uh, uh, just a, you have this appearance that you have to put on that you're okay and that you're doing well. And so you fight through that battle um, to realize that the people are, they are such a loving and kind-hearted people, but they've been very oppressed over the years. And so the elderly people there, uh, they don't warm up to, to you too well. And the youth, the younger people, they will, and they'll open up to you uh, relatively quickly because they want to know about America and what's going on in America. But, um, again, they, they have absolutely nothing. The average pay was for a uh, teacher was $260 uh, a month. And uh, for a common construction worker, it was about $150 a month, getting down to 10-hour weeks, uh, 70 cents a day was about, or 70 cents an hour is about what they got paid. But when we went to the, the store, uh, we found that their prices were extremely high uh, by American standards, uh, 90 cents for a Coca-Cola. So someone would have to work an hour to buy a Coca-Cola there. Um, so you saw all of this going on, but the thing that still just touched my heart, we met four of the girls that were from uh, the village's orphanage that uh, 
had no place to go. And this is why we were there. We were to help build a home for these children that had no place to go, or they would get caught up and get swept away out of country for all kinds of devious other purposes. And we were just so blessed that you guys had given us this opportunity to go do that. And uh, the partnership that they allowed us to come do it was awesome. But every time Sandy and Diane were my w workers, uh, we worked together as a team. And w we probably had the nastiest, ugliest job to do the whole time we were there. Yeah. But every day, those two, these two gals work so hard every day, every minute, every day, every minute. I said, man, I'd take these guys on a job in a heartbeat. Absolutely. You know, they were awesome. But Diane put it really well, and she didn't share this, but she said to me, every time I just got filthy and dirty, I thought of my girls and what would happen to them if they were at this place. Thank you so much. Amen. Way to go. Now you got me all choked up. <laughs> when Pastor Mark first talked about this trip, and and let us know that we were going to be sending a team. I just knew right away that I needed to go because of my girls um, and the girls that are there. Wonderful, beautiful young ladies that now have a chance at life thanks to these dorms and the loving people that work at these dorms and minister to them and, and help them meet their every need. And I'm just so blessed to be able to have gone on this trip was my first trip so I didn't know in the least what to expect and I know my husband will attest to this that I'm not the most handy um, <laughs> but as it turns out God has gifted me with long skinny fingers <laughs> where the where the wall and the ceiling the angled ceiling come together is a really tight spot so I would get up on the ladder and I would mud, mud up there with my fingers and sand up there with my hands. And so there was a niche for me. <laughs> you know, so God will use you in very different ways. You just need to, to remain open, open to that. Um, just one more. Um, there was one more thing that really touched my heart. And there was a young, a young man gave his testimony. He's a young man living at the dorm as well because um, Pastor Anatole, just you know he's got a heart for the young people, all people of Moldova, but especially the young. And they just c cannot say no to the needs. I mean, there are the dorm is for women, young women, but there were a few men that came to that were, that were either brought by their parents or out on the streets that they could not say no to. So there are a few men living there as well, young men. But um, after this testimony, um, Pastor Troy and Pastor Anatole, just, you could just see the burden. You could just see the tears. And I don't know about you ladies, but whenever I see a man cry, it just it grips me. And um, just the burden that they carry for these young people just amazed me. And he, he uh, Pastor Troy... <clears throat> Pastor Troy read from Acts 17.26. From one man he made every nation of men 
that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that the men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him through he, though he is, though he is not far from each of us. And, um, that will remain with me for a long time because we never know we don't know the lot in our in the lives around us you know you you could be born with a handicap or into poverty you don't know the lot of anyone in this in this room in fact but you can you can touch lives as long as you you open your eyes open your hearts and reach out one of the days I commented to Diane about how hard she was working and she said something along these lines you might not remember it she said something along the lines because she's on a ladder the whole time sanding and, uh, or mudding and, and she said something along the lines of every time my arms hurt I just do it as unto the Lord and I know this is just for you Jesus you know and I mean these guys never stopped working I mean, they didn't. There were, they just worked from morning till evening. It was amazing. I was shocked at how much work we got done. Um, anybody else want to share, Daniel? All right. Well, on Sunday we traveled to a village to for Pastor Mark to preach, and um, it was about hour hour and a half away. And we went there and we had to sing. <laughs> and. There was this one song called Amazing God, and none of us really knew the words, <laughs> so it was a challenge to sing, but they, none of the village people really knew English, so <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was fine. And when we were singing the song, I kept thinking how amazing God is that halfway around the world, these people are worshiping and praising God and loving Him like we do here. And that just, while we would sing this song, that just stuck out to me. And that was amazing. It was. Amen. Anybody else want to share something? All right. Real quick. Share something funny. There was a lot of funny stuff that went on. The very first morning, Roger gets up and he gets himself dressed. And the last thing he does is brush his teeth and he uses anti-itch cream. <laughs> Two days in a row. <laughs> it was quite a burning sensation. <laughs> I can't believe you shared it. I wanted to, but he vowed, vowed I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I, uh, I, I told the team if they had an itch any place, Evan had an itch on his leg, itch on his leg or anything, I'd be happy to lick it. <laughs> no, nobody took me up on the offer. What was amazing was. I did it two days in a row before I realized I didn't have toothpaste to on. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand as these guys find their seats. But I just want to share one verse and one verse only. Because this was the verse that went through my head the entire trip. Um, James 1.27 says, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself unstained by the world. And that's exactly what that ministry is trying to do. Keep these young girls unstained by the world, and they're, they're taking in the orphans and the widows, and at least the, kind of the kids are being abandoned into the city. And I thought, that was pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God. What we were doing in the sight of God was glorious. 
And uh, it, was just, it was just fantastic. So the reason I wanted everybody to share is I wanted you to see um, how, number one, how God just used us, how impacting it was in the lives of these people. And as we, as a church, are, obey the challenge of God to, to world missions, to whether we're doing teams or we're giving, that our, that our monthly giving, our monthly faith promises, that when we give to missions, we really make a difference. And that, as, as Debbie said, whether it's going across the street, the backyard, or around the world, the mission is everywhere. It's not missions, foreign world. It's mission. We have a mission. We have lost people. Um, our inner city of Milwaukee is more dangerous and more lost than I felt Moldova was. Now, the need is huge there, too. There's impoverished. But our inner city of Milwaukee is just as lost, um, maybe more so in many ways. And so um, God is challenging us as a church. You guys have stepped up to the plate and knocked the ball right out of the park on this missions team, missions trip. And it's just the beginning of what, what God wants to do through us as a church. And you can see from the testimonies, the people who are blessed by it are the ones who went and sacrificed and sweat. Those poor gals in that fourth floor, they had no air conditioning. We saw the conditions of the guys the first night, and Troy said, I can't let them stay here. I can't, I can't, he said, I can't sleep at night if they stay here. So we had to get them and put them in a different hotel with the gals that asleep with no air conditioning, 104 degrees. When they went to the village, it was 104 degrees outside. The van was at least 20 degrees hotter. It was 125 in the van, no air conditioning. We went a whole day out in the village, you know, places where they still get the water, all the water by cranking up a crank and a bucket, you know. That's how they get all their water, um... I don't know how Evan to get sick. I see Evan drinking out of a well. I'm like, stop! You're going to die! You know, oh no. I'm like, you don't get it. It's a hand-dug well. You know, there's animal stuff everywhere. You know, you know the guy's Iron, iron Man back there. So, uh, so anyways, it was a great, just a great experience.